Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Humans are weird. Nap time. Written by Betty Adams. The afternoon sun gleamed pink with the various species using the recreation area by gently flowing creek. One human lay sprawled in the silty sand and a pair of undulates were shuffling busily around in the water a few meters from her. Is it really wise to interfere in this matter? Rolls away asked. Human friend Sadie specifically requested this. Shifts left, replied, as he adjusted the throwing stick and the appendages. Regardless, rolls away, said, this seems unsafe. I told you, shift left, replied, that's why I'm using the globules of filter clay. The density is so low that it could impact her on open eye and not cause permanent damage. In fact, the temperature differential caused by the water that will cause the useful discomfort. It was not referring to her safety, rolls away, interjected. Have you read the profile for a human coming unexpectedly out of sleep state? Yes, yes, Shifts left, said, as he dismissed a wave of one of his appendages, not involved in the aiming process. Five seconds is the absolute maximum danger time. At this distance, we are so far out of her strike range that she should be fully awake and aware long before she can get her hands on us. And I don't need to mention again that this service was a specific request on her part as one friend to another. No, you don't need to mention that again. Rolls away admitted with a little groan, as he saw that the throwing stick was finally aligned to ship's left liking. I still maintain that she will simply be making a humorous and rhetorical comment. Sound this, Shifts left said. We both know that a nap this late in the circadian cycle will throw off your human friend Susan's sleep cycle for days. He spasmed around the throwing stick, launching it a blob of wet clay with the arc into the air. Rolls away shuddered at the unnatural movement, both his friend and the clay. It spattered down on the other side of the human, earning only a slight twitch on her part. Less power, Shifts left, observed. As I was saying, when the human sleep cycle is disturbed, they become not only less of an asset, but nearly a liability. That can be true, rolls away admitted, as the second glob of clay fell on the near side of the human. Human friend Sally knows this, Shifts left went on, and thus requested that we wake her very specifically from outside of a strike range if she fell asleep in the afternoon again. This still seems wrong somehow, rolls away said, as the human friend Sally began to shift and turn to stare at the place where the last glob had fallen. The final glob ocked into the air and fell with a plop onto her nose. Her reaction was fascinating. She spasmed once, her hands coming up to claw at her face in an attempt to remove the glob, and she emitted one of those predatory sounds that was so universally feared. Rolls Away believed that it was called a snarl. He noted that Ships Away was slowly easing back into the deeper water of the stream. Are you not going to wait for human friend Sally to acknowledge her gratitude? Rolls away asked as he followed his friend. I think it would be best to accept the gratitude from out of striking range as well. 
Shifts left, replied. It had been far longer than five seconds, Rollsaway observed. In fact, I think she does not even know that we were the source of the action. I have been told that humans like mysteries, Shifts left, said. Then, by all means, Rollsaway said, watching as the human friend Sadie was vigorously cleaning her nose in the water of the shadows. Let's leave her with the mystery. End of story. Story number two. Humans are weird. A good long walk. But you have not performed the necessary amount of muscular contraction to maintain your functionality for the day, Twistander asked as he scampered after his friend. Human friend Mac was briskly standing around the airlock of the base searching for one particular personal radiation shield. Yeah, I guess, he answered absently. Are you sure you haven't seen my hat? I have not, Twistander assured him. However, human friend Rob's radiation shield is there on the peg and it's the same size. Human friend Mac rolled his eyes. I can't take Rob's hat, Twist, he said. It's just, ah! A flash of triumph as he discovered the radiation shield that he'd been searching for under the thermal insulating garment. You ready to go, Twist? he asked. I am, Twistander confirmed. May I mount now? Sure thing, Max said as he made as if to kneel down. No, no, Twistander said quickly. I am not injured, you know. Human friend Max smiled and remained standing as Twistander climbed up the back of his legs and settled himself on Max's shoulder. Mac opened the outer door and stepped out into the brilliant purple light of day. Mac slipped his ocular radiation shields over his eyes and began humming. Why does your confidence signal increase when you put those on? Twistander asked as he traced flashes of light up from the human friend Mac's neck and scalp. Because these are very cool sunglasses, human friend Mac explained as he picked up a particular stick from where its so-called walking sticks leaned against the outer wall of the biodome. I did not know that they assisted in thermoregulation, Twistunder said. They're very deliberately pitching his voice to a mild innocence. Human friend Mac gave an explosive blast of air out of his nose and his stripes rippled with humor. I know you know what that word means, he said in a scolding tone. Meanwhile, he had slipped in from a more agile stride as used in closed spaces to the energy-saving lope of the used for covering long distances. I do, Twistunder admitted, but you still haven't answered my question. What question? Human friend Mac asked between long, deep breaths. Why are you out here expanding calories when you have already gotten enough exercise today? Twistunder asked. I just felt like a walk, human friend Mac replied. The weather is good, and it isn't always. What benefit do you get from this walk? Twistunder asked. There is a socialization, of course, but that could be better facilitated back in a nice warm couch, or in your room if you wished to solitude. It's a walk, human friend Mac said. I mean, you just look at that, will you? He swung his arm out to indicate the terrain around them. Twistunder studied it carefully. The ground rolled away in cold, dry hammocks. The surface was covered with brittle pseudo-algae and glinted darkly purple in the harsh light from the triple stars overhead. The silicon-rich lifeform provided enough oxygen to make the planet barely habitable for the sentient species that had found it. I see the conditions that make this world a death trap, Twistunder finally said, putting closer to the comforting warmth of his friend. If that's so bad, why are you here in the first place? Human friend Mac asked with a laugh. 
The high joining determined that if you potlings decided to set up a colony here, we at least needed to science outpost, Twistunder replied. We found it first, after all. Fair enough, human friend Max said with a shrug. The slope on the ground increased and the stride shifted slightly to compensate. They were traveling along a path the human's feet had trampled out between the main base and the power generators. The undulates could travel nowhere else under their own power. The local flora would lacerate their appendages dangerously if they were without protective armor. Of course, the same applied to humans, but they would not go out without their protective foot armor in any case. Twistunder made a mental note to add the probability of lacerated ground foliage to his list of dangers that they faced if the humans ever let them near Earth. But what is its purpose of this walk? Twistunder asked. You are always traveling too fast for exploration to be the goal. It's just a walk, Twist, he replied. Fresh air. We could open a window, Twistunder interjected. Exercise, the human friend Mac continued. You fulfilled 20% more than required in the gym this morning, Twistunder said. Companionship, human friend Mac went on. Equity available on the couch, Twistunder replied. It's a tradition, Twist, human friend Mac said with a sigh. It's just a tradition. They reached a hillock and the human friend Mac planted his walking stick in the ground to provide a third point of support and looked out over the iridescent purple plain. Twistunder took it in the strange, low-growing ecosystem for a moment and then left his contemplation to the human. Honestly, the patterns that rippled over the human friend's Mac's skin were more interesting to him. Granted, he wasn't a field biologist. Fortunately, these walks gave them both a change to indulge in their observational interests. Perhaps that was the point after all. End of story. Story number three. Humans are weird, imaginary lines, written by Betty Adams. I heard you had a long and heated talk with the human cartographer. Thirty-two drills observed as the second in command fluttered on to the branch that he was hanging from. You could call it that, three clicks said with an expressive sigh as he settled down beside his commander. Did you write it up? 32 Trills asked. It sounded land graph related. I took too many notes, 3 Clicks said, running his wing hooks over his sensory horns in an absent grooming gesture. I do plan to make a full report. Well, do, and don't drag me into it, 32 Trills ordered him. I have quite enough human madness to deal with my own duties. However, from the way 3 Clicks were brushed out and relaxed, he did not want to talk about the issue. 32 Trills was estimating the value of this tablet mentally, debating if he couldn't risk dropping it and making the mad dash for freedom before his second-in-command gathered his wits. He argued that planetary equators are imaginary. Three clicks burst out. 32 Trills bluffed his fur out in shock and turned his eyes to three clicks. But I know that they used the concept daily, 32 Trills explained. They immediately regretted it. Not his job. Not his job. They do, three clicks answered, gesturing dramatically with his wings. They have an equator on their own world and a range of a degree lines as well. They simply insist that the equator is, and I quote, an imaginary line. A thing any child on any sentient species can see. A thing understood genetically by countless non-sentient species. So, uh, Lady Trill said slowly, a thing that they can use for scientific measurement on suborbital navigation on a daily basis, a thing that is clearly recognized on every spherical world they consider to be an imaginary line. 
Yes, Three Clicks exclaimed. He spread his wings in frustration, and you should have heard the argument he used. Things about having crossed equator on a dozen different worlds and never seen one. However, the added time had allowed the commander to neatly tuck his tablet into his chest pack, and he sprang off the branch by clicking a jointy tune. I'll see it in your report, he called out cheerfully. It really wasn't his problem. End of story. Story number four. Humans are weird. Fist bump. Written by Betty Adams. I doubt the trade agreements will change much in the next two days, Trask said as he adjusted his perch on the human friend's shoulder. It is a holiday for the Chitar, and the human officers are going to be focused on restructuring their computer servers. You are probably right, Damien muttered. After the short response, he went back to chewing gently on his lower lip, a fascinating habit that Trask had glad to have a chance to observe closely. It was amazing how the gleaming of pearlescent teeth caused no damage to the soft skin of the fleshy lip. Trask noted, another human approaching, Wilbur, he thought her name was, but neither she nor Damon had lifted their directional eyes to note the other's presence. Trask assumed that they would not greet each other and return to the majority of his attention to the conversation. I think it's safe to say that, Trask began, but just as Wilbur passed Damon raised his fist, Yo! Damon said, freeing up a hand from the data pad that he held and slammed his own fist into Wilma's. Hey, Wilma said. A shock surged up Damon's arm and jarred Trask's body. He gripped Damon's shirt, barely remembering to not grip his claws into the soft human skin beneath. Both humans continued walking without breaking their odd two-beat stride and without once raising their eyes to each other. Trask flicked his attention back and forth between them in shock. That couldn't have been a display of anger or any other passion. Damon's pulse, so clearly visible on the flesh of his neck beside Trask, hadn't even changed its pace. How each human had even been aware of each other in the noisy passageway was a mystery. Their binocular vision was notoriously narrow. Trask, Damon called out, waving a hand for attention. What do you think? What was that? Trask asked. I said, Damon replied, so do you want to go to the deep forest with me? No, I mean yes, Trask said. I would love to go to the deep forest, but what was that? Trask waved in the direction of Wilma's departing back. That, Damon asked with a frown, slowing to a stop. Your fists, Trask clarified, mimicking the action with his two primary manipulators. The first bump, Damon asked, ruckling up his eyebrows. Of course you have a name for it, Trask said, slamping down onto Damon's shoulder. That, just a greeting, Damon said with a shrug. You know, for the folks you're cool with. Trask pondered the complex calculations necessary to enter instantly react and raise the fist of friend, glimpsed out of the human's narrow vision. The minutely controlled forces required to not injure the other human, and the concentration needed to maintain their bipedal stride at the same time. He walked over to where the pulsing veins radiated mammalian bioheat from Damon's neck and pressed his primary eyes into the comforting warmth of the dim, the overstimulation. You okay, Trask? Damon asked in concern. Oh, I'm quite fine, Trask said, waving his leg dismissively. Yes, yes, the deep forest sounds wonderful. Just you and me and no other humans. Okay, Damon said slowly. Fist bump. Trask chittered. How many of your greetings involve simulated assault? Damon chuckled, but seemed to consider the question rhetorical. 
He shrugged. He shrugged and slipped the data pad under his arm before setting off whistling. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.